Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Welcome back. This is Old Fashioned Mike, veteran reseller and entrepreneur, helping you make your reselling business better. Last week, we talked about discovering your why in order to motivate you in this journey. If you need a refresher for this, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Matter of fact, I think you're going to probably want to go back and listen a lot because the why is what's going to drive you to keep this going, as we talked about. But once you understand the why... You really understand the how, and that is the crux of this entire podcast. How do I do this? How do I do this sustainably and grow the business over time? So that's a multi-step process. That's not something that just comes to you one day, or maybe it does. It depends on the person, but uh, something I always tell new entrepreneurs uh, in the reselling business or in other businesses is that um, focus is your friend. Many resellers just watch YouTube videos and then they go out to thrift stores and buy everything and anything that they think that they can make a profit with. And that's okay. And okay if you want to make a part-time income, but over time that is not sustainable. So I've always told new entrepreneurs that they need to focus on a product line, an area of expertise that they could grow in and actually be a large provider for in uh multiple markets. And you can't do this if you're just going to go out and thrift. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to occasionally go out and buy other products that sell well and during times uh, during the year. Uh, a good example of this is Christmas. A lot of people who resell clothes, for instance, like I do, um, go out and buy toys for the Christmas season. And of course, that is because used clothes specifically don't do very well at the end of the year. Toys do really well, and so many sellers buy toys so that they could even out their income stream over the course of the year, and that's not a a bad thing. However, what we want to do this early in the process is to focus on an area that you enjoy, and that is our first tenet of how we choose a product is what are you passionate about? Now, um, you need to be energized when you're selling, because you're going to get sick of it really quick if you uh, don't enjoy your product line. I hate selling electronics. I hate testing them. I hate cleaning them. I hate hunting for them. I hate everything about them. But they sell really, really well. The problem is, is that it's hard to find good selling electronics um, consistently. So I started with clothes, and I discovered that I like them. A lot of people don't like clothes. Um, but are forced to actually sell them largely because if you go to any thrift store and which is where most resellers start, 90% of the store is, uh, is closed and uh, both men's and women's. So, you know, I suggest that if you're going to start anywhere, that might not be a bad place to start, but you do need to determine whether or not you want to do that long, long term. And most people do not. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of the complaints are about, how long it takes to prep uh, the clothing and and sell it. And, and I agree with that. It, it does take a long time. Uh, of course, my motivation is very different. And we're going to go into the, 
the multiple reasons why I chose clothes. However, the point is, is that you really need to have a consistent source of inventory and clothing, of course, is the easiest to have that, but not the only thing. The key here is that you need to be passionate about what you're selling. Otherwise, you're going to get sick of it. And just like discovering your why, (laughs) the why is going to get you through things. (laughs) So will the passions you have about your products. So your first step is to make a list of the things that you think that you might be passionate about long term. Uh, And electronics, I don't want to dissuade anybody from electronics. Some people really enjoy that. Some people like video games. Some people like clothing like I do. Some people like you know, bicycles or whatever, you just need to understand what your passions are and then go for it. Now, one caveat here is to understand the sell-through rate, and we're going to talk about that, but sell-through rate is really, really important. So make your list, understand your passions, but understand what the sell-through rates are for each of those items. And we're going to go into how to do that. Second thing would be, where are you at in your life? Um, Do you have money? Do you need to bootstrap this? Now, I'm going to be very, very clear. I think that everybody should should bootstrap their reselling business first. I do not think that you should pour a ton of money into reselling because there are a lot of mistakes to be made early on, and you don't want to make those expensive mistakes. I could tell you when I purchased 2,000 pieces of clothes, there were a lot of mistakes uh, in that inventory, and that uh, was an expensive mistake. That being said, overall, it worked out. But for instance, I specialize in men's clothes, but I have many, many, many women's clothing items. And as you'll discover in the clothing field, women's clothes are difficult. Uh, There are many sizes. Well, as a man, they're very difficult to understand. There are many sizes. Uh, There are um, many different cuts and each different uh, manufacturer is, um, is different. And so that makes it very difficult to sell. Plus there's a very high return rate in relation to men's clothes. So anyway, so uh, I made the mistakes. You're going to make some mistakes. The point is, is don't make them uh, expensive mistakes. And so I suggest bootstrapping for everybody. So you buy a small amount of items, you sell, and then you take the profits from those items to buy more inventory and that cascades and that cascades and so on and so on. That's a very, very important thing to do. I think initially start with selling items from your home. Everybody has stuff that they want to get rid of from their home. And, uh, it's inventory you already own. It's inventory that you have, you've paid for, but used. And so you're really, your cost is zero because you've utilized those items over time. Uh, it does give you a broad, um, uh, view about what you might find interesting to sell. Cause you might have appliances in there and jewelry and clothing and, and so on. And that'll, that'll help you decide which, what, what you think you might be passionate about. Um, and then I would start from there buying quick flip, but cheap items from thrift stores and small retail arbitrage opportunities. Now retail arbitrage is a whole subject and we'll go into that at some later episode, I'm sure. But retail arbitrage basically means like going to a Walmart or Target or or some other um, retailer that might be going out of business, for instance, and then um, buying it cheap, checking checking the uh, costs or the sell price on eBay and other platforms, and then buying that item at cheap and then making and flipping it uh, online. And there's a lot of opportunity in that. It's a difficult thing to do consistently, I think, and it also is highly dependent on where you are in the country about those things that are available to you. But 
the moral is here is uh, whether you have capital or not is to don't spend it all in one place and and buy a huge inventory lot um, unless you're reasonably sure and you've done your homework that that retail lot will be able to flip. And I've been very fortunate. Um, I spent uh, about ten thousand dollars on that on those inventory items I talked about, which is a, so an average buy cost about five dollars, which is pretty low. Uh, some items were great, and some items were not so great. And uh, you'll discover that if you do large purchases like that, that's going to happen. And that doesn't mean you are immune from making mistakes. If you've been doing this for a long time, you're going to make mistakes throughout the career, your career. But initially, you don't want to make these mistakes very expensive. Um, you don't want to kill your business before it starts. And so I would encourage bootstrapping, being very careful about initial inventory, selling items from your home to start. Uh, do quick flip flip, but cheap items from thrift stores. Now you don't want to make sure your sell cost is reasonable. Um, so, uh, your shipping doesn't eat into your profits, but, uh, we can, we'll talk about that. Um, but s- small retail arbitrage opportunities, uh, are definitely, definitely available to you. And I, th- I encourage you to at least look into that, uh, more, th- uh, thoroughly. Uh, the third one is, of course, is what is available to you? Do you have a reliable source of inventory? So a lot of people go to thrift stores, and the reason why they go to thrift stores and buy clothing, like we saw, we talked about, is because there's a lot of it. You go into a store, 90% of the store is is uh, old clothing, and the buy cost is fairly inexpensive compared to what you could sell it for online. Um, it's not the only thing, but it's certainly the most prevalent thing. So what's available to you? Uh, where are you located? Are you rural or are you urban? So uh, if you're rural, you might only have a couple thrift stores. You might have more garage sales and yard sales and, and estate sales. And so you need to understand that. And if you're in an urban space, there's tons of thrift stores, industrial parks, and industrial parks are important because that's where distributors are uh, for items. And uh, there's garage sales as well and yard sales. Uh, and there's a lot more retail arbitrage opportunities. But if you're in a rural location and there might be one Walmart and one Target or maybe neither, uh, you don't have much of a choice. And so you need to understand your surroundings and the limitations or opportunities around you. Uh, next, do you know people? Uh, do you know distributors or people who work for distributors uh, for products? Do you know people who run estate sales or church sales or uh, have large groups of people that they know that they can introduce you to? Because networking is extremely important for a regular source of inventory. Getting reliable sources of inventory is the whole or at least large part of your success in reselling. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. And then lastly, um, are you good at searching for items online? So you may not have anything available to you locally. You may not have a thrift store near, near you or those thrift stores are not adequate. There are many parts of the country where thrift stores are in the reselling game themselves and compete with you and so therefore are not a reliable source of inventory. So you need to find those opportunities online. 
So how, how good are you at finding items online? Can you find things on eBay and sell them on Poshmark or vice versa? Can you find things on Amazon and do Amazon eBay flips? Uh, how, how many opportunities are there for retail arbitrage? So again, explaining retail arbitrage is that it's just going to Walmart or Target or, or Bed Bath & Beyond or any other retail establishment and finding something that's highly discounted and maybe in a clearance rack and reselling it on eBay or, or Poshmark, what have you. Um, what are those opportunities and are you good at finding them? Or, and lastly, making your own products. Maybe Etsy is where you're going to go, and that's a different world, uh, but it's there's a big opportunity in that. Not, just to, for full disclosure, I actually have a manufacturing arm of my company that I manufacture clothing items, and I sell only on Etsy. And those are, I guess that technically they would be considered handmade items, but they're really not. I have a, a whole, dist, uh, whole manufacturing system and distribution. Uh, that I have set up, and that's part of my funnel, which we'll talk about. Uh, actually, we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. And then uh, understanding the sell-through rates for everything, how fast do things sell, and um, you know, turnover is a huge part of retail, um, either in-person retail or, or brick-and-mortar or online, is how fast can you move inventory. Inventory that sits on your shelves is worthless. And actually, it's worth than worthless because it costs you money to, to maintain those items in your inventory. I'm going to have a YouTube video coming out pretty soon that will go over using uh, tools like Terapeak on eBay to determine what a sell-through rate of an item is. And that's incre- incredibly important as part of this uh, this business is to understand your sell-through rate and and only purchasing items that have decent sell-through rates or if something that has a low sell-through rate having the cost or the the profit incentive uh, having a large profit incentive to uh, to keep it in inventory for a long period of time next is uh, understanding your space do you have space that you can store inventory uh, like I said earlier I had very large inventory uh, that I needed to store. And there was no way that a garage can house all this inventory and also house my car, which of course is important in snowy Boston during the winter. You might not have the capital to do this. And I don't suggest you go out and get warehouse space when you don't have the money to do it. That money should be going into inventory, which turns a profit that allows you to buy more inventory and so on and so on and so on. So, space will definitely dictate what inventory you should look at as well. So for instance, clothing has a very, very small inventory space requirements compared to, let's say, electronics, Uh, jewelry, even less inventory space. Maybe you can run your entire business out of your home forever uh, in uh, in the jewelry space, but you have to have specialized knowledge for that. And I don't suggest that you go into something just for space requirements. But it is a consideration. And then you got to decide whether you're going to be a specialist or a generalist. And not necessarily in terms of having a broad swath of product items from toys to clothes to electronics. I think that's a difficult uh, thing to do. But I'm talking about within the product category. For instance, I specialize in men's clothes. I do carry women's clothes, although I don't really focus on them. And therefore, uh, I am a specialist. In my view, the best resellers focus on one category and try to own it. Generalists have 
uh, only price to compete on and specialists can create a uh, repeat customers by having specific types of inventory. If you're only competing on price, there's always going to be somebody that's going to undercut you uh, in order to make uh, a meager profit. Just go on eBay or Poshmark or Mercari and look at those five and six dollar items that are sold. And I will tell you, they're, they're not making profit on that inventory, but yet they're willing to compete with you as a generalist in those areas all the time. And so that, that can be a, that can be problematic. So the best resellers, just to repeat this, the best resellers focus on one category and try to go deep and own it. Um, and then this will also help you create a funnel and I'm going to cover the, uh, the funnel probably in its own episode, but here's what a funnel is. Basically you have your main channel or marketplace that you're going to sell on. You're going to place a customer service card in all of your outgoing packages with a coupon code for your own site. And then you can connect all your marketplaces together using a third-party uh, application like List Perfectly or Vendu or Inkfrog, and there's a bunch of others. And that is the funnel. So essentially, you're starting by capturing in your marketplaces a large swath of customers and then filtering them down into your own site for long-term customers. And that uh, there's a whole reason to have that. And we're going to go through that in, a, in its own episode. It's, it's uh, way too deep to cover here with any detail. Okay, we're going to take a little break. Go get some coffee and we'll be right back. For more reselling resources, head over to oldfashionedmike.com. Thank you for being back. Okay, uh, let's go into the next subject. It's where do I sell? So we've answered why you're doing this. And then we started down the journey about what to sell. But now it's where do I sell? And sell selling on different marketplaces, so that would be eBay, Poshmark, Mercari, and so on, um, is all about sell-through rate. So how fast does your product sell? How, how long does it stay on the shelf before you reap the profit that, um, uh, that you intend to get when you first purchase an item? So... The, I, the idea here is to get your product into uh, into as many marketplaces as possible in order to get your your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible. So look for products with high sell-through rates that you are passionate about, uh, or at least you like to, to work with. Um, now, we're going to have a YouTube video on Terapeak, and we talked about that just uh, earlier, uh, from eBay. And Terapeak is a, a tool that will tell you um, what the sell-through rate is for any given item on eBay. Now, of course, that doesn't really answer uh, what it sells through on other platforms, but eBay is the biggest platform most likely that you're going to sell on other than maybe Facebook and Instagram, which um, doesn't have a Terapeak-like tool. But uh, but the Terapeak tool is pretty easy to use, and there's also an app called Completely, which is what I use when I'm uh, in a store looking at items. So visit our YouTube channel for a complete tutorial on Terapeak uh, coming soon, but um I'll put a little bit of a preview on our website for a preview. Uh, my sell-through rate pre-COVID, of course, is about fifteen percent, and normally is about five to ten percent. So, uh, five to ten percent on eBay. Uh, but by using multiple platforms, I'm not quite using the funnel yet. Um, but on multiple platforms, I was able to jump my my sell-through rate to fifteen percent, meaning that I sell any given item in my in- inventory after about six months. A turnover rate of basically two times a year. Um, now, like I said, marketplaces or channels are about eyeballs. So obviously, the biggest um, platform out there is Amazon. 
Um, but I hate Amazon. Now I, I love, I shop on Amazon all the time, but, um, but what I don't like about Amazon is that there's a race to the bottom. It's all about getting the buy box and the buy box is essentially, it goes to, uh, big sellers that actually have the lowest price for an item because Amazon is all about the consumer and which is great. Um, but as a seller, it's a very difficult platform to, to work with. There's lots of competition and constant sniping by competitors um, that are really competing just on price. Since Amazon doesn't really allow you to interact with the customers too much, you are just a commodity to Amazon. Uh, whereas eBay and other platforms, but eBay is really a very seller-centric relatively seller-centric platform. And that's what you want to, to compete on. It's not about the race at the bottom. It's about quality products and service. Uh, there are also product limitations with Amazon um, that you don't have with eBay. Uh, there are some product limitations on eBay as well. Obviously, you can't sell items, certain items like you know guns and alcohol, for instance. You know, but with the Amazon list is much larger that you can't sell on it, and you are what they call gated in particular items. Um, and again, lots of profit potential here, and there's nothing wrong with being an Amazon seller. That's not what I do, um, largely because I don't want to have to constantly compete with the buy box. There are certain software tools out there that the sole purpose is to actually sit there and snipe on price for products. And, and, um, it's, uh, it's a difficult business and I, not that I think it's a bad business, but it's something that I choose not to do. And also I think they have a horrible customer service for sellers. They hate you. Amazon hates you as a seller. It's a necessary evil and they treat you as if you are, uh, that's somebody that they hate. And I, I Good example. I was moving when I first signed up for Amazon. I was moving and um, I was not able to verify my address using uh, um, uh, utility bills because I didn't have any utility bills yet. And they give you a very small period of time that you can actually prove who you are. And it was very difficult for me to get that. And by the time I did, it was too late. And I can't even get a call back from Amazon and I've tried multiple times and I, it just turns out to be not the marketplace for me anyway. So, uh, eBay, which is my primary marketplace, but not my only marketplace is the second biggest marketplace for resellers right now. Uh, and I'm going to come back to Facebook and Instagram here because obviously Facebook and Instagram have the potential of being much, much larger, but, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get into, uh, consistently. Um, but there's a lot of categories uh, that you can sell at just about anything in eBay. Uh, and so that's what I like about it. Uh, fees can be a bit of a mystery, uh, which is uh, could be a problem. You just don't know what you're always paying as a seller on eBay. So there's a certain uh, listing fees and final value fees and, and managed payment fees now that PayPal is gone. But they seem to actually fluctuate, and of course, you have the fees associated with purchasing uh, uh, shipping, which I always suggest you offer free shipping, so you're paying for that shipping. Um, bit of a mystery sometimes. Uh, certainly, uh, on other platforms, uh, the uh, fee structure is a little bit uh, easy. So, like Mercari's 10%, uh, Poshmark's 20%, which is high. We'll go into that. Um, one thing I do like about eBay is just the large amount of, uh, products that can be sold and you can find just about anything on eBay. And that's, that, that is, uh, why it's my primary, 
uh, reselling um, uh, marketplace. Um, you can also add Bonanza in, which uh, there's an easy integration where um, you basically and I would never pay for Bonanza, but you can actually uh, connect through an API uh, both the Amazon, excuse me, both, well, actually Amazon as well, but um, both the Bonanza and eBay platform. Um, so anything that get lists on Amazon, or I keep on saying Amazon, everything that lists on eBay gets automatically listed on, and on Bonanza. And when it sells, it automatically takes it out. That's a, a great thing. Uh, and, and a freebie, and I would definitely uh, encourage you using that. Um, you know, the antiquated interface of of eBay is is not quite as bad as Amazon's, but it's it is pretty it is pretty antiquated and but uh, very stable. So I, you know, eBay does have its problems, but I still think it's the biggest and best marketplace for resellers. Uh, next one is Mercari. I use uh, Mercari as well. It's easy to use. Lots of negotiations that forces you to drop your uh your price quite often um ebay also uh, but it's a, you can go down by five percent on ebay but it, you're basically forced to uh go ten percent drop on both poshmark and mercari uh each time you make an offer um there are no returns but there are people who always find a way and that's for both mercari and poshmark i think poshmark and mercari are very similar uh poshmark is more of a women's clothes clothing um uh, uh, channel. Uh, Mercari is more like eBay where you would find just about anything at Mercari. Um, now I also use Poshmark though. Uh, f- I do use it for women's and men's clothes. Although the, the market really is more for women's clothes. The fees are a bit high, but the shipping is paid for by the buyer. And so, uh, for most part, you know, th- there are definite times where you have to, as part of a offer, you offer up, uh, free shipping or reduced shipping, through Poshmark, but it's, uh, but it's very easy to use. There's no third party, uh, need to go to a, uh, to, for shipping. Uh, it's all built into the Poshmark system, which is great. Uh, again, just like Macari, there's no returns, but people will find a way. Now, eBay, you have the option of not taking returns, but you really don't have an option. You have to take returns. You have to offer free shipping. You have to offer free returns. If you don't do that, you're not going to be a top seller, uh, on eBay. And so, um, it's a necessity. Just take my word for it. Now back to, uh, Poshmark for a bit. I thought people do pay a premium to buy things on Poshmark. It seems that although there are negotiations for price, uh, today, um, that could change tomorrow, but today it's, you get a much higher price on Poshmark than you do on, on eBay. For instance, my margin on eBay, uh, my gross margin, on eBay, it's about 54%, I think, last time I checked. And I've had up to 80% on Poshmark. Now, that's not regular. Normally, it's about 65 to 70 And then there's a fairly new one, very similar to Poshmark called Grailed. And it's it's basically like Poshmark, but it's for men's clothes. Now, the, the process for selling is, is quite clunky compared to the others. Um, but very, very high-end men's clothing can be found on Grailed. So I like selling on Grailed for men's clothes. But there's virtually no market for women's clothes there. And there's virtually uh, – there's men's clothes and accessories. Um, there are, are no other uh, types of products on Grailed. So if you're selling in hard goods, for instance, or anything really uh, that's not clothing, it's you're really relegated to – eBay and Mercari. 
And so, uh, and that's fine. I would say, I would suggest though, you won't, don't look into the others, uh, cause it's not going to be of any use to you if you're not dealing, uh, in clothing. My one caveat on Grail is to watch out for overseas buyers. And I don't mean that they're, uh, shaky. The problem is, is that shipping becomes very, very expensive and actually becomes very, very expensive on any of the platforms except for eBay. And we can talk about that for a second. But uh, the overseas buyer's shipping costs will sometimes exceed the value of what they're buying. And so that's that's becomes problematic. So you just got to be keep that in mind when you're selling on Grailed. So let's talk about eBay going back for overseas buyers. They have something called the Global Shipping Program on eBay. I would suggest you use the Global Shipping Program because uh, it really makes uh, selling uh, to overseas buyers on eBay easy. Uh, you, sh- you send it to a you send the product you sold to a central location in Kentucky and that uh, central location ships it out to the customers. It takes a little bit of time, but all the shipping and duties uh, associated with the, the product that's being shipped overseas, that's all handled. So you don't ever have any uh, uh, ambiguities when it comes to actually who's paying the duty and how it's being paid. Now, um, the other platforms that are kind of up and comers they're not really up and comers because they've been available for a long time, but it's both Facebook and, and Instagram. And there is an integration with Shopify, which is uh, basically your own e-commerce store, uh, and Facebook and uh, Instagram. So this brings me to the funnel. The, now, the funnel is something that I base my entire business on, and I suggest that you grow into from a reseller to an online retailer through the use of a funnel. The funnel's concept is really is, is to develop your email list so that you have the customers are yours, not eBay's, not Mercari's, not Poshmark's. They belong to you. That is not going to be possible if you're just a reseller. The email list does not come to you unless you gather an email addresses from your customers as they come in. Now you will have access to some of those on eBay. However, it is really against the terms of use for you to harvest those emails and use them to market to people. And marketing is really the reason why you develop the funnel. The the idea is you create that customer as your customer. eBay and Macari and Poshmark, those are marketplaces. So what you're going to do in the funnel is this you are going to list all your products on all of the platforms, eBay, Macari, Poshmark, Grailed, and Macari. Did I say Macari? Okay. So, uh, of course, if you're on hard goods, it's only going to be eBay and, and Macari. Then you're going to create a Shopify website. You could use Shopify. You could use Wix. I would suggest Shopify. Uh, Wix is great uh, for a lot of things, but Shopify owns the uh, the um, online retailing space for small retailers. And then what you're going to do is you're going to use a third-party software such as List Perfectly, Vendu, Ink Frog. There's others too. Those are the three big ones that are going to connect all your products to all three three of these or four of these platforms. And you're going to push all your products to all four of those platforms, including Shopify. So when you sell a product on one of the marketplaces, you're going to place a card in the package that you send out to your customer, basically directing them, say, thank you for your purchase. If there's a problem with it, please 
reach out to us first before giving us a rating. And by the way, you can have a 10% discount if you go directly to our website at xyz.com. And from your website, you'll collect that person's email address uh, for further discounts. And so what that does is then creates that customer as your customer. Now, if they don't give their email, if they don't buy anything, of course it doesn't. And you're not harvesting emails from any of the platforms because that would be definitely against the terms of service for any of the platforms. I don't have to go through them, but that generally is uh, the case. But what you're doing here is since they're on, they're on your website now, um, you can do that. And of course, you're asking permission. There's GDPR, which is uh, basically uh, privacy rules, European privacy rules, but are pretty strict and really are um, they're adopted here in the United States uh, implicitly anyway. But if this person gives you their email address, it's essentially uh, yours to market to them. Uh, according to your terms of service that you create. And from there, you essentially uh, engage in email marketing to your customers. So the idea is to build your email list, market to those customers. They're taken out of that, that marketplace channel into your platform. You know, they could still go and look on eBay and Mercari for additional items for, for yours or for other sellers. But essentially what's happening is you're converting that person into your customer. And that is where the value in your business increases. To dive deeper into that a little bit is that when you are a reseller, your business is only the value of your inventory. There, unless you have processes and procedures in place that create value within your business, which seldomly is the case in the reselling world. If you build an email marketing list, that creates an asset that is yours. It doesn't belong to eBay or Mercari or Poshmark. So, and that's the, that's what my business is all about. And that's what the funnel is all about. The mechanics of the funnel uh, will be a separate episode. That is a very detailed process and will it will probably be a YouTube episode actually, because we're going to need to show you materials that we send out how things are packaged, and how to really avoid violating any terms of service that you may have uh, with the platforms. Now, you might ask yourself, well, why would anybody allow that? Why would any of the platforms allow that? But what you're really doing is you're providing a customer service card saying, if there's a problem with the service, please let us know before you rate us and we give us a chance to correct the problem. At the same time, you're offering them a discount code for future purchases, which can be made on your website and then you give your website. The key here is to be generic about it. You are not redirecting them to Poshmark or Mercari. You're, you're redirecting them to your website for any customer service or future purchases. Now we're going to have a training just on building this funnel, all the technology involved, all the moving parts and how to execute this step by step. That will be done in a YouTube video because there are some visuals associated with that. But but that's essentially a funnel, and that's how you grow your business. That's how you create value in your business by having an email marketing list. There is no real value other than the inventory in a resale business, and that's the hard truth. You need to build a list of customers that you can go to, and you cannot do that just as a reseller. You are a reseller. You are a retailer, and you need to act as a retailer by gathering your customers. So if you go to Macy's, Macy's knows who you are. They market to you via emails and you are doing the same thing as they do. When large retailers 
sell on Amazon or on eBay um, already, they are doing the same exact thing as I describe. And so you need to do the same things to create value. So when it's time for you to sell your business, if you decide to do that, that not only do you have these marketplaces, a large inventory, and all the processes and procedures about your business, you also have your own website that has its own email marketing list and that a and a way to actually to develop a customer base. And that is what creates value in your business. If you're just a reseller, that doesn't happen. So I want the mindset to be for you from now on is you are not a reseller. You are an online retailer. So if any of these platforms go away in the future, and they will, that you have value in your business. And that is the biggest thing. That's the biggest mindset I need you to walk away with today. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You are listening to Old Fashioned Mike on The Reseller Entrepreneur. Okay, so for the last two subjects, uh, why is it good to have multiple streams of income? Well, first of all, uh, it's increasing your sell-through rate. You need to turn inventory. If you don't turn inventory, you're not turning profit. You're not turning profit. You're not going to stay in business, bottom line. So if you sell more platforms, you sell more inventory. You sell more inventory, you make more money. Uh, It also allows you to simplify some pricing. So what I do personally is I take the highest price out of all the platforms and I put it the same price on all the platforms because all the platforms uh, allow for negotiation uh, except for your own website, of course, but we can, you can correct that as well. But, but essentially what you're doing is you're pricing as high as you can without being unreasonable and then selling it at the highest price possible. Having multiple platforms allows you to do that. Uh, now, if you have a problem with one platform, this is the biggest one. If you have a problem with one platform, uh, you have the others to pick up the slack. And that's, that's really important. If you've ever worked with eBay, for instance, there was a time when eBay actually deleted a ton of photos. And I fortunately came at the tail end of this um, on eBay. And so I didn't get hit that hard, but uh, a lot of reposting had to happen. And in the meantime, I was selling on Macari and Poshmark at the time. So you have that opportunity if you have multiple platforms. If you're all, if you're just dependent on eBay and eBay decides that you can no longer sell on eBay, like, like Amazon did for me, for instance, uh, that, that could be problematic if you, uh, diversify your platforms. Now, why is it bad to have multiple streams of income? Well, actually, this is probably not the right terms. It's why is it bad to have multiple platforms? Well, it's a gray area in term in the terms of service. But ultimately, what all the platforms are trying to do is to make sure that when you sell something, that the customer that buys the item gets the item. So they're turning a blind eye to uh, to cross listing. A matter of fact, a lot of the the software tools that allow you to cross list uh, or automate cross listing are in contact with these platforms. So the platforms know that this is going on. So ultimately, you just want to make sure that you don't sell the same item to multiple people. As long as there are no customer service issues associated with cross-listing, you're okay. Which brings us to part of the, another downside is delisting can become a nightmare. If, if You have to have a system in place that makes it easy as possible to delist something when you sell something. So eBay and Etsy have APIs that uh, that attach to uh, a lot of a lot of software products, um, but the others do not. So it could be a bit of a manual process. Now that's not a problem with low sell through rates 
generally, but it could be a nightmare if you have high sell-through rate products. So I will give you a, a really good example. Even though I have a relatively low sell-through rate uh, product clothing, um, um, I had a, a Kobe Bryant signed jersey, and I was driving uh, from Boston to Connecticut uh, when all of a sudden I saw that I sold the same Kobe Bryant signed jersey to four different people on four different platforms. And this, of course, is because Kobe Bryant uh, was in a helicopter crash and there was a run on Kobe Bryant jerseys uh, really within an hour of, of uh, the tragedy. And and so that can be a real problem if you're not careful. So you need to have systems in place that allow you to be able to delist rather rapidly in case um, you have a high sell-through product. And this should factor in to where and how much you cross-list items. Now, if you have your sell-through rates really, really high on one platform and virtually nothing on the other platforms, you may not need to cross-list at all other than your own website, which I always would suggest. The takeaway here is to have a process in place to do this on inefficiently. And I do that through the use of a virtual assistant, which I would always suggest you do as you grow. So next episode, we're going to talk to Sid Lunawat from Hammock, uh, who is my virtual assistant. And uh, it's going to be a very insightful interview. It might be a little bit longer of an episode since there'll be two of us. Uh, And like promised, uh, I'm going to keep this under an hour. It's about 40 minutes right now. But thank you very much for joining us. And we will see each other next week. Talk to you later. Bye. This episode has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to. Head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until next time.